0: Appreciate you tuning in to season three of our podcast we've already gone through two seasons talking with a lot of incredible athletes and content creators and we've been doing this for about two years now i think and, and after looking at the analytics of the podcast hearing from our viewers and previous guests and discussing things internally we have decided to make a change to the show we are no longer going to be posting these episodes on youtube they're only going to be in podcast form still available on spotify and apple Podcasts, but we are excited about what we're adjusting to instead of sitting down with athletes and content creators and discussing their stories every episode we're going to start doing a deep dive into the stories of athletes that you may never have heard of before or who just aren't widely known but they have an interesting or inspiring story to share nonetheless now Levels is built on storytelling and finding ways to give athletes and content creators the opportunity to share their stories with the world. So, we will still have guests on the show every now and then. It just won't be every episode. So, for the majority of the episodes moving forward, we'll be giving you all about a 10 to 20 minute look into the careers and come ups of some very inspiring athletes. So, with that being said, let's get into the first episode. Season three, episode one, who are we starting with, right? It was a big question for us here at Levels, trying to figure out what athlete to kick off this new season with um, the new format of the podcast. And we were doing a lot of research, reading through a bunch of different athletes' careers and stories to figure out exactly who we wanted to start with. And we came across a dude named Louis Clyde Hudson or Sweet Lou as people called him back in the day, probably still do if, you're, if you live in Atlanta. And it also recently—he recently just got inducted into the the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame earlier this year in 2022. So that always—that's icing on the cake. That just—that helps. So, who is he? Lou Hudson, right? Referred to as Sweet Lou. You might think he, that's probably just because he's a nice guy, uh, but the sweet actually refers to how sweet his jump shot was. He had such a smooth jump shot that they referred to him as, as sweet Lou. And he's someone that you may not have heard of if you're not an Atlanta Hawks fan, but after this episode, hopefully you'll understand just how much of an impact he made, not only on the game of basketball, but even on the racial barriers at the time. So Lou was born on July 11th, 1944 in Greensboro, North Carolina. Remember North Carolina, because that's going to that's going to play a big role in a decision he has to make later in life. So he goes to James B Dudley high school and he's just this becomes a stud athlete four sport, athlete, football, baseball, track, and basketball. And it also helps that he's like six, five two, 10, right? Can't go wrong with that. He, he plays quarterback for football, first baseman uh, for baseball. And then he's a sprinter in track. Um, and basketball we'll, we'll get into what he plays in basketball because he was he was a mixture of a, a guard and a forward he had a good handle but he was like six five so you know pretty interchangeable but to just to give you an idea of how crazy athletic he was in high school Charlie Sanders uh, who was a tight end for the Detroit Lions and also inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 2007 uh, he was two years younger than Hudson at James uh, B. Dudley High School, and they went to the same high school, right? So he's he's looking up to Lou. He he had this to say about him: Lou epitomized athleticism, football, basketball, baseball, track. He could do everything. He could do everything well, and he was the one guy who was instrumental in my pursuing athletics. When I saw Lou Hudson play, that's when I made my mind up that I wanted to be like him this is it's just insane right this this future NFL Hall of Famer is idolizing Lou Hudson in high school and and was essentially what pushed him to pursue athletics and look at the career that Charlie Sanders had so it's what's even crazier is Sanders idolized him so much I don't know if this was actually the reason uh was if, if Hudson was the reason but Sanders actually went to the University of Minnesota uh which is the same college as Hudson so did he go because of hudson or or did he go just because it was the best place for him who knows but that's how much charlie sanders thought i uh, viewed lou hudson as he's just this iconic high school standout athlete so let's get into let's get into the university of minnesota as well because this is an interesting story so he graduates um from james b deadly high school and he was one of the first three African American basketball players to attend the University of Minnesota in 1964. The other two that joined him were Archie Clark and John Yates. Archie Clark later goes on to play in the NBA and he kind of got tossed around by a few different teams uh, throughout his career the Lakers, Sixers, Bullets, Supersonics, and Pistons, I believe, from uh 1966 to, to 76 so he played in the nba for 10 years now the story of how hudson got to the university of minnesota is pretty pretty crazy it's pretty interesting so remember like i said at the beginning he's he's born and raised in the state of north carolina right so he had planned to go to north carolina A T, uh which was a historically black college in hbcu so um he is has it in his head that he's going to north carolina ant but he gets recruited because of how you know crazy athletic and talented he was in high school he gets recruited by dean smith at unc and john kundla at the university of minnesota so before we before we get to his, his ridiculous just ridiculous college career um, i want to do a quick aside about john kundla because it's it's important for why he made his decision to go to minnesota um kundla coached at the university of saint thomas in saint paul in 1947. this is a guy that was born in pa parents relocated to um, minnesota Um, and, and at a relatively young age he becomes the coach at saint, saint thomas so he does so well there that the nbl right the nba wasn't created yet the nbl wanted him to coach the minneapolis lakers but they came to him, and and he's just like, nah, I'm not interested. He turns them down at first. He wants to stay at Saint Thomas, so the the MBL recruiters come back, increasing his potential salary that he could that he could make to six grand. So he's making six thousand dollars, which is you know in today's standards just nothing, right? You can't really do much with that for a whole season for a whole salary. But at the time, it was just ridiculous. It was double. It was actually double what he was gonna be making at Saint Thomas so then obviously he he takes the job just an absurd amount of money and he's 31 years old coaching the minneapolis lakers a a professional basketball team he went on to coach the lakers from 1947 to 1959 but then he went back to coaching college for the university of minnesota from 59 to 68 but what's important what it's what's very interesting is during this time uh, of coaching the Lakers, he played or the Lakers played in three different professional leagues. Right, so this is some vital basketball history for you. The NBL, the National Basketball League, was established in 1937, and then the BAA, the Basketball Association of America, was established in 1946. They end up merging; the BAA absorbs the NBL after the 1949 season, and they become the NBA, what we all know and love today. So during Kundla's pro coaching career, the Minneapolis Lakers played in the NBL, the BAA, and now the NBA. So Kundla has experience in three different professional leagues and then goes back to coach college. And it's also important to note that he was just this absolute w- wizard uh with X's and O's, you know, setting up plays and whatnot. But he was also had a great relationship uh with a lot of his early players like george Mikan, you know from the Mikan drill that we all <laughs> love or hate from basketball summer camps and they all regarded him as a very technical player development coach as well you can go check out some videos online of kundla coaching george Mikan through you know one of his staple moves and and teaching him you know adjust the spin of the ball or the rotation of the ball just a little bit and he essentially can't miss so he's this highly technical player development coach he's great with x's and o's you know bringing a team together and to just make this guy even more impressive he ends up living to be 101 years old which (laughs) he passed away in 2017 but just you know an all-around stud just an incredible coach and and so talented so okay Back to Hudson. So knowing what you know now about Kundla, which is important, this next part is gonna not be very shocking to hear. But um, so Hudson gets all these offers, right? UNC, Minnesota, North Carolina A&T, right? Um, and he's interested in going to North Carolina A&T because it's an HBCU, because it's close to home. He can, he can stay close to family. But what ends up happening is kind of just incredible, right? This uh, is a quote from him talking with the um charlotte observer in 2009 looking back on the decision to to go to to, to minnesota and play he says the coach at north carolina ante told me that i should take this opportunity to play in the big time that i was good enough for that and he was right like what coach especially back then gives up such an amazing talent right a kid that wants to go to your, your school and just you know looks out for his best interest the player's best interest instead of you know creating a stacked team it's just it's awesome and could you blame where like, the coach at north carolina a t knowing kundla's resume at this point like why not go play for a coach that has you know three different professional league experience over the course of of over a decade um so hudson goes to play at minnesota and he averages just like Ridiculous, just insane stats freshman year 18 points eight rebounds a game like as if that's anything special he comes back next the next year and averages 24.8 points a game and 10.7 rebounds a game and rightfully so earns him all-american honors and first team all big 10. in his last season in college right he only played three years he broke his hand and this is just this is ridiculous so He breaks his hand and has to miss seven games, but he comes back early. His hand's not healed yet. He comes back early and plays in 17 games. And he averages 19.8 points and eight rebounds a game, shooting only left-handed, and his right hand is in a cast. (laughs) He's just like, screw it. You know, the team's not doing well. I'm going to come back and just average 20 and eight with a cast on. You see a lot of football players doing that now. They wear like a club or whatever. But to do that in basketball, you know, Larry Bird bragged about that left handed, that left handed game. And a lot of people talk about that today, but no one like Larry Bird didn't have to wear a cast on his other hand. He could still dribble. You know, he's just scoring with his left hand. This is just insane. Averaging 20 and eight with a cast on your right hand when you're right handed. He played in 65 games um, in college at Minnesota and averaged 20.4 points and 8.9 rebounds a game he's averaging 20 and 9 a game which totals him just over 1300 points and 576 rebounds in three seasons he did that in only three seasons so it's no surprise that by now he's you know obviously headed to the nba right um the merge has happened so it, it is the nba now and he gets drafted fourth overall by the st louis hawks Still not the Atlanta Hawks, right? So a little backstory on the Hawks. They started as the Buffalo Bison, Bisons, plural, in the NBL. Then they did a little, you know, address change and rebranded to the Tri-City Blackhawks, still while in the NBL. Then they joined the NBA. And two years into the NBA, two seasons, they changed their address and name again to the Milwaukee Hawks. Then the St. Louis Hawks. And finally in 1968, they head to Atlanta and become the Atlanta Hawks. So he gets drafted fourth overall by St. Louis. But what's what's even crazier about his draft day is he's he's drafted fourth in the NBA. He's also drafted last with the last pick in the NFL draft by the Dallas Cowboys to play wide receiver. He's just he's such a stud <laughs> that Playing college basketball for three seasons, the Dallas Cowboys are like, "Yeah, now nah, we'll, we'll, you want to come play football again?" Obviously, he he turns them down, but it's just it's just nuts, you know that doesn't happen very often. And in his first year with the Hawks, glad I'm glad he chose basketball because in his first year with the Hawks, he led the team in points per game with 18.4, and he's named to the 1967 uh, NBA All Rookie Team. They make it to the Western Division Finals, where they lose to the San Francisco Warriors four to two. Now, if you if you go online and you look up Hudson's career stats and you see um, his points per game averages broken down each season, you'll see a dip in his sophomore season, his second season in the in the NBA, and you'll probably think, you know, ego started to get to him or other teams in the league saw how well he did he was obviously the best on the team his rookie year so we'll start to double him or we'll strategize to try and control his numbers no it like it wasn't any of those he went and served in the u.s army so he only played in 46 games that season and you know probably didn't have that much time to actually practice basketball because he's serving in the he's serving in the army so he comes back the next year and you know like it's nothing just starts averaging 22 and 7 again and his his first basket of that year this is actually some really cool atlanta hawks history if you if you ever want to knowledge drop this but his first basket of that year was also the very first basket ever for the atlanta hawks so they they had relocated that year in in 1968 69 and he comes back from serving in the army and has the first first bucket in the, the New Hawk Stadium um, while averaging 22 and 7 for that year. So just just ridiculous. So he goes on uh, to average over 24 a game for the next five years. 24 a game for five years straight. but here's where, you know, he's it's, it's where, here's where it becomes obvious that he's not a very widely known name in the game of basketball. And I'll, bra- I'll break it down by year or by season for you. And uh, we'll just, you know, get right to the end of the season. So 1969, they lose to the now LA Lakers, right? No longer Minneapolis Lakers. They lose to the Lakers in the Western Division Finals, 4-1. to 1970, next year, they lose to the Lakers again in the Western Division Finals, 4-0. to 1971, they draft Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete. Go look him up if you're not familiar but they lose to the New York Knicks 4-1 in the Eastern Conference playoffs. 1972, they lose to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference playoffs 4-2. 73, Hudson averages 27 a game for the season, and Pistol Pete puts up 26 a game, and they lose again to the Celtics 4-2 in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Hudson averaged <laughs> Hudson averaged 30-8 in that series and they lost 42 to the celtics 1947 so it's not like he's not you know trying to carry the team but 30 and 8 just casually 47 they don't make the playoffs hudson averages over 25 a game that season 1975 atlanta trades pete maravich hudson gets hurt and he only plays in 11 games but still averages a casual 22 a game uh they miss the playoffs again 1976 and 77 this is where his his minutes and averages you know start to drop a bit and at the end of that season that second season in 77 he gets traded to the lakers uh in his first two years um with la he ends up you know playing with some pretty ridiculous names wilt chamberlain adrian dantley and jamal wilkes and you know obviously coached by jerry west uh quick quick little side note about this team if you haven't seen the HBO show winning time the rise of the Lakers dynasty highly highly recommend it go check it out John C riley has got some some awesome lines in it one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking about uh Roger Bannister and the four-minute mile so definitely go check that show out if you're you know just a basketball fan you don't have to be a Lakers fan it's just a it's a cool show um it's on HBO go check it out so two years into or he spent two years with the Lakers and two years in both times they lose to Seattle in the Western Conference playoffs so that's where his his career comes to an end but you can kind of see why you know he never won a ring he never you know made it past uh some of the first few rounds of the playoffs so after a career of just putting up incredible numbers just ridiculous stats but not really getting over, that hump of of winning an nba championship hudson decides to retire in 1979 um, and he ends up selling restaurant equipment as his first job out of the league right all these guys that spent their entire lives playing basketball got to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life um he works as a radio announcer um, which is actually what a lot of a lot of former nba guys do nowadays um and appears in a movie Uh, the movie was called the fish that ate or the the fish that saved Pittsburgh um and he moves to Utah in 1984 to become a real estate investor so still trying to figure out what he wants to do for the rest of his life and sticks sticks it out with real estate investing um but unfortunately you know as we get older health issues start to hit him and unfortunately his family as well so uh very sadly enough in 1996 uh at just 18 years old his son passed away after a high school basketball game uh caused by a blood clot in his lung um he said that his son said that he was feeling uh pain in his ribs and unfortunately didn't make it through and in 2005 Hudson himself had a stroke while skiing in Utah and then in in 2014 Hudson passed away after having another stroke and and he was he was only 69 years old. So I don't I don't want to end this on a sad note because, you know, that's that's not my intention, because this guy had such an incredible career and life. He broke racial barriers, not only at the University of Minnesota, but also becoming the first African-American elected official in Utah. When he you know moved there in, in 84 to become a real estate investor, he dominated the league for well over a decade and he was a a very prominent humanitarian as well so an overall just incredible guy and shortly after his passing Dominique Wilkins uh who Hudson mentored early in his career if you don't know Dominique Wilkins definitely go look look him up um had this Dominique Wilkins had this to say about Hudson he was a hell of a player the guy could score with the best in history he was a phenomenal basketball player he should be a Hall of Famer and it's amazing to me he's not He was one of the best shooting guards, and that's a fact. You can go back and look at his career and look at the numbers and see what he did, and you'll understand. Well, fortunately enough for Dominique Wilkins and, you know, Hudson, he got his wish. Hudson was inducted into the the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2020, this year, earlier this year. Hudson's number was also retired, number 14, retired by the University of Minnesota. And the number twenty-three jersey was retired by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, in his NBA career, right, he he played in the NBA for uh, thirteen seasons. He averaged twenty and four shooting um, throughout his career at forty-nine percent from the field. Twenty and four shooting at forty-nine percent from the field. <laughs> And these aren't these aren't like these aren't dunks and layups. Like he's he's shooting mid range. He was known for for his his 15 foot jumper, had a sweet Lou, right? This his his jumper was so sweet. That's why that's why he got the nickname. And I want to close with a quote from Hudson because I think it just perfectly shows his mentality and his attitude throughout his career. So here here it is, and we'll we'll, we'll end it after this. I was a loyal team person. I went out every night and played to the best of my ability because I enjoyed basketball. The chips fell where they fell, and I don't have a problem with where they fell. Guys that won championships, I tell them, you won a championship, but you still weren't as good as I was.